It's the second Thursday of the year, or is it? We've hit what some would consider the two-week mark of the year, but to borrow a line from the brilliant Andy Zaltzman of The Bugle, it's quite possible that today is actually December 45th. Let's have hope that it's really January 14th, 2021. Either way, I'm Sean Tubbs, and this is another installment of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newsletter and Newscast, with another look at what's happening in the area, with an emphasis today on planning. On today's show, Charlottesville hires Regional Administrator Chip Boyles to serve as the next city manager. The Charlottesville Planning Commission begins its work for 2021 with updates on various committees, and the Albemarle County School System is transitioning, for now, to all virtual learning. Yesterday marked the six-month anniversary of this program, which I launched to help explain various things that happen in and around Charlottesville. That's hours of podcasts and thousands and thousands of words about this community, and many of them belong to the various people in local government and the citizens that participate. I thank you for reading and listening, and I want to acknowledge the many people who have provided financial support. At the end of the show, you can find out how you can join them. For now, though, it's more important to get right to the information. After a tense start to 2021 that included over a dozen hours spent in closed emergency session, Charlottesville City Council has named a city manager. Here's City Councilor Michael Payne reading from a prepared statement. We would like to announce that Mr. Chip Boyles has agreed to join the organization as city manager. After carefully balancing the needs of the city at this current time, we are offering Mr. Boyles the city manager position with the goal of stabilizing the organization and rebuilding the leadership team within City Hall. Boyles came to the area in the spring of 2014 when he was hired to be executive director of the Thomas Jefferson Planning District, a regional agency that provides government services to the city, as well as five surrounding counties. I look forward to working with all of the city staff. I especially look forward to working with all of the Charlottesville community. I know that there are a number of citizens that were looking for a different direction um, from as a city manager, but I'm trusting the city council and your commitment to the city to lead all of Charlottesville to a, a much brighter future. I hope that over time, I will build the support of all of the community for all of us to work together to a more unified uh, community and Charlottesville. Boyles will not be known as an interim city manager, though Payne said council will reopen a search for city manager sometime next year with the goal of getting public input. If successful, Boyles would be able to participate in that process. The joint statement also acknowledges recent dysfunction in the city and said solutions won't happen overnight. Over the past several months, city government has experienced significant turnover, uncertainty, and instability. This has occurred at a time when our community is facing historic challenges created by a global pandemic, economic instability, and the need to address long-standing inequities within our community. City Council must directly confront the causes of the instability within city government. We did not end up in this situation overnight. We will not get out of it overnight. During his tenure at TJPDC, Boyles has helped promote regional cooperation in public transit, affordable housing, and many of the various issues that face our overall community. The TJPDC has overseen the creation of the Cherry Avenue Small Area Plan, created the Ruckersville Area Plan in Greene County, and is currently planning on a similar study for Zion Crossroads. 
Boyles received a master's in public administration from Clemson University and a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science from the University of South Carolina. He served for five years as city manager in Tawnytown, a small town in western Maryland. In 2000, he became assistant city administrator of the city of Clemson in South Carolina, a position that gave him eight years working in a community in a university town not unlike Charlottesville. Other positions include urban development director in the city parish of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and a vice president at the East Baton Rouge Redevelopment Administration. In April 2014, Boyles succeeded previous TJPDC executive director Stephen Williams. Williams' contract was not renewed following fallout from allegations of financial mismanagement related to a federal grant. Mayor Nakaya Walker said she supported Boyle serving in the new position. She's worked with him from her position as a board member of the Regional Transit Partnership and the TJPDC Board of Commissioners. And my thoughts here was just that we had um, one, someone who was neutral. Chip has been in the community um, for a number of years, but he hasn't been in the organization. And it will provide us an opportunity to... Um, just look at um, any issues, any um, that were brought up through a neutral lens. And I thought that that was um, very important. Interim city manager John Blair will leave the city in February to take a job as city attorney in Stanton. He has been city attorney since the summer of 2018. Councilor Heather Hill thanked him for his service. Mr. Blair's departure is a great loss for the organization and the community that we serve. It would be, I would be remiss of me not to acknowledge the sacrifices that he and his family have made for this organization during his tenure, and most notably in his time as acting city manager. Blair took over as interim in September, after Dr. Teron Richardson resigned that month after a brief tenure that lasted a little over a year. Councilor Lloyd Snook also thanked Blair for serving as interim manager. It was a true gift to the city that he agreed to do that. Uh, he is not by training a city manager. He is by training a city attorney. Uh, and he was willing to step out of his comfort zone at a time when we needed someone with his steadying presence. Boyles was asked by Nolan Stout of the Daily Progress how he would make the transition to managing the government of a 10.4 square mile city rather than working for the entire region. Boyle said that stabilizing Charlottesville's government would help the entire area. As Charlottesville goes, so goes our region as well. So it will not be a, a complete change, but just a um, more of a difference and a way to focus towards the, the city of Charlottesville, but keeping the region in mind as well. I'll be producing a longer version of the story at some point in the near future for premium subscribers first. And then the rest of you will get it through infoseville.com. Albemarle County reports 48 new cases of COVID today, and one of the two core indicators used by the Centers for Disease Control to gauge transmission risk is at the highest level. The total number of cases per 100,000 people over the past 14 days is at 557.4, and the percent positive rate over 14 days is at 8.5%. The higher case counts have led Superintendent Matthew Haas to order county schools to go back to all virtual instruction beginning on Tuesday, January 19th. He sent this email to family and staff. 
While schools remain among the safest places in our community in helping to prevent the spread of the virus, given what is occurring around us, now is not the time to be recommending that we continue with or increase the thousands of students now receiving their instruction face-to-face. Haas writes that all virtual will continue through at least February 1st. That's the date for which the school system had been planning to move more students into face-to-face instruction. The day is significant because it marks the beginning of a new grading period. Haas said he will now change his planning targets. The uncertain and highly volatile nature of this illness requires us to be instantly flexible and proactive in our decision-making. I no longer will be making recommendations tied to marking periods. I will continue to rely upon the health data in our county, the advice of our health department, and the views of our parents and employees to determine when a change in our instructional plans should be recommended to our school board. An announcement about whether they will return to the current tier of Stage 3 will be made on January 27th. That will occur on the school system's Stages of Returning webpage. Albemarle's case count of 48 is included within the 5,294 new COVID cases reported by the Virginia Department of Health today. The seven-day average of positive PCR tests has declined slightly to 15.5%. There are another 74 deaths reported, bringing the total to 5,626 in the past 10 months in Virginia. Albemarle is within the Blue Ridge Health District, which reports 112 cases today. That also includes 20 cases in Charlottesville, 19 in Louisa, 11 in Nelson, 9 in Fluvanna, and 5 in Green. The tradition of long meetings that Charlottesville city government is famous for has continued into the new year. The planning commission met for four hours on Tuesday. Commissioner Gary Heaton said at the beginning of the meeting that he welcomed the work ahead. I did want to say to everybody uh, how encouraging it is to show up to a civic meeting at a time when there's a lot of conversation about what government is. <laughs> and uh, and here it is right here on the computer screen. Thank you, everybody, for your participation. The Planning Commission also got an update on the status of a new format for another regional planning body that consists of Charlottesville, Albemarle and the University of Virginia. What was a public body called the Planning and Coordination Council is now something different. Bill Palmer is with the Office of the Architect at the University of Virginia and sits on the City Planning Commission as a non-voting member. What used to be the PAC Tech or PAC and now has been reiterated as LUPEC, which don't let me don't don't make me uh, say what that acronym is because I don't remember exactly. I don't blame Palmer because the Land Use Environmental and Planning Committee doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. Still, it will provide the same function as what it has replaced. That's kind of the coordination committee for um, the city, county, and university to talk about planning issues. The group meets for the first time this year on Friday. That event is not subject to open meeting rules because it consists of staff and not elected officials. Currently, there is no agenda available online. Another city committee charged with thinking about planning is the Place Design Task Force, upon which City Planning Commissioner Rory Stolzenberg sits. City Council voted last year to stop having Place report directly to Council. At this point, um, you know, the kind of general idea is to kind of reform as a general sort of think tank or, uh, you know, body of experts that the city can draw from um, in order to create ad hoc, uh, you know, task force 
task forces uh, for any uh, you know problem it wants to face, things like lighting plans or whatever. One idea would be for the group to address specific problems in the city. Stolzenberg had one suggestion. Since council uh, is debating the future of the West Main streetscape, uh, which is you know a very expensive budget item, and we don't have a lot of room in the budget, um, you know one thing that we're trying to brainstorm uh, is potentially um, kind of tactical urbanist improvements that we could make to the street at very low cost um, in order to uh, you know make it a safer, uh, better experience in the near term um, without expending you know fifty plus million dollars. One possibility for community engagement may come in the form of informal walking tours to gather input, but of course, only when it's safe to gather again. Commissioners also got a brief update on the Seaville Plans Together initiative, which seeks to update the comprehensive plan, create an affordable housing strategy, and update the zoning code. Jennifer Koch is the project manager with the consultant Roadside and Harwell. There will be a work session on January 26th to discuss something known as the future land use map, which signals to developers and property owners desired levels of density and intensity. We're convening uh, several times as a consultant team this week to determine that we have the right set of sort of um, the program, as she said, for that meeting to have a really productive and effective discussion. So uh, we will let you know as soon as possible this week if uh, we think we need to delay that a little bit. But right now, I'm looking forward to speaking with you more about land use on the 26th. After that, the commissioner got into the Cherry Avenue Small Area Plan, a document created by the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission. I'll have a story on that for paid subscribers first later on in the week. The Planning Commission also recommended approval of a special use permit to add additional density at 1000 Monticello Avenue, a project that drew opposition from many in the neighborhood, as well as from housing advocates. For more on that, read Nolan Stout's account in The Daily Progress. And that's it for today's edition of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newsletter and Newscast, beginning the second six months of this program. Thank you to everybody so far who has been able to make some sort of a financial contribution. You have really allowed me to take a great leap of faith here. And now it's time to continue to try to make it sustainable. This is a business. Town Crier Productions is the organization that I have created in order to collect revenue and to really try to launch this thing well into the future. It's called community engagement for a reason, because I want people to be able to understand how things work so that they can add their voices. So thank you to everybody who is making a contribution for local government research through Patreon. Thank you to those who have converted from a free subscription to a paid subscription in Substack. And thanks to those who have just made a general contribution because they know that the work I'm doing is important for the community. And of course, I do thank the other journalists who are out there doing work each and every day. Uh, A democracy requires a lot of eyes on the mechanisms of local, state, and federal government as we're finding out. Thank you very much for listening today. I'm Sean Tubbs, your host, and I will be back tomorrow with another installment. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and do something nice for somebody today, even if it's yourself. Stay safe.